listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're talking about this, and it needs to be talked about from a Christian perspective. You know, so many people getting angry, so many people full of, and I'm talking about Christians, full of vitriol. I mean, people cursing people out, people freaking out on each other. Uh, I mean, it's it's been insane. And um, I wanted to do a broadcast where we talk about from a biblical perspective for a Christian, how does a Christian respond to injustice, social injustice, racial injustice? How do you respond as a Christian? And I'm going to give you some things from the word of God that we have to have to understand as believers before we can do anything else, before we can even respond as believers. There's a few things we have to understand before we respond. I think response before pure understanding is a mistake. It's foolishness. It's foolishness. It's so important that we know first, that we have the wisdom first before we respond. And uh, tonight, I'm going to show you some things that the Lord showed me from the Word of God. This is going to help you. Let me just preface this. For anybody that watches later, anybody um, that listens to the podcast, this will be on our podcast. Uh, The stand was phenomenal. Dr. Rodney and the team are crushing it in Tampa. Packed field. It was wonderful. It's going to continue all month. If you can get there, get there. Outdoor crusade in Tampa, Florida. It was packed. Souls saved. People touched. It was phenomenal. I love Dr. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown. Um, But let me, I want to take you in because, and I won't waste time because we need to hear these things. We've got to hear these things. People are hurting. People are dying. People are literally broken. The nation is broken and burning, and it needs to have a voice of help and hope. And I want to preface this broadcast by saying, number one, I love people. I love people. It's the reason that I got into the ministry. Obviously, the Lord called me, but it would be crazy for me to be in the ministry full-time, ministering around the world if I didn't love people. I love people. And the key word there, people, not I mean, it's crazy to me that in this generation, we still have churches. I, I condemned it, you know, a couple of broadcasts ago. I condemned it. And I got messages for saying it. But, you know, white churches and black churches and Jamaican churches and Puerto Rican churches and Brazilian churches. You know, I, I if you're part of the Holy Ghost family, Jesus goes after people. He goes after people. Jesus doesn't fish with a pole and bait. He fishes with a net. And when you drag a net, everything gets in the net, everything, white, black, rich, poor, doesn't matter, you know, right side of the tracks, wrong side of the tracks. I love people and you should love people as a believer, obviously. And um, I want to take us into the word of God because every one of us is going to be expected to respond. We're going to be expected to speak. You know, nobody wants people to stay silent, especially in times like this. Nobody wants people to stay silent. I don't want to be silent. I don't want, I don't want Christians to remain silent. Of course not. Of course not. It's not a time to stay silent. In fact, I think it's foolish for us to stay silent. No question. But if we are, uh, if we're part of the family of God, 
the things we say and the things we do, remember this, have to line up with God's word and his plan and his agenda, his nature and his character without question. We can't do things uh, as rogues. You know, we can't go AWOL and do things as rogues. We've got to do them as the word of God teaches. And um, I know that there's a lot of things racially fueled, um, things even behind the scenes that have an antichrist agenda to them. I'm blown away by ministers and Christians that are taking a stance truly against the word of God and, and supporting things that are behind the scenes, really an antichrist agenda. And I'm going to show you that from the word of God tonight. So let me just jump in, but I want to preface. I hope everybody that watches this hears me say this up front. I even thought about putting a banner across the bottom. This broadcast is done in love. I love people. Love tells the truth. Love speaks gently. Love speaks with wisdom. Love is not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not proud. I don't want anybody to get the impression that I think I have all the answers or that I'm on here giving a word to America. And, you know, I'm not arrogant. I am humble. I'm, I'm, I'm being as humble as can be and ask the Lord for even more humility, more meekness. I don't have, but the word of God has the answers. And the word of God will guide us into success every time. And it'll bring peace every time, every single time. So let, let me get into this with you because I want to, the Lord began to speak to me. I just started writing things down in my phone that the Holy Spirit was speaking. And I want you to take notes. And if you're watching, put it in the comments section for those that will watch later on the broadcast replay. Uh, and we need to do this. I want you to see this. Um, Number one, and please write this in the comments. I love you guys. Number one, everything is spiritual first. I want you to put that as number one. Two things that really, or I guess I should say three things that we're going to uh, say that we need to understand before I get into how we should be re responding in any situation. Number one, everything is spiritual first. It doesn't start out in the natural. It starts out in the supernatural. Everything. I don't care what it is. Everything is spiritual first. So well, people get into their flesh and do things in their flesh. No. Anybody that does sinful things, anybody that does wicked things, anybody that's not saved, those things originate in their spirit man. Because understand that as a, as a sinner, if you're not a child of God, you have no ability to do things that are pleasing unto the Lord. You're, you're unregenerated. You are dead in your trespasses and in sins, the Bible says. So everything, even when sinners sin, even when wicked people do wicked things, that's not done out of the flesh. That's their spirit man doing what pleases an antichrist spirit. Everything is spiritual first. When we do things as Christians, remember this, when we do things that please the Lord, we're not doing those things because we have the capacity in our flesh to do things that please the Lord. We're doing those things because our spirits have been renewed and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And so when we do things that please the Lord, it's because we had a spiritual change in our hearts. It's because that we've been brought from death unto life and that we've been brought out of the darkness into the uh, light or the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus, the Bible says. So anything that we do that pleases God originates in our spirit man. 
And our spirit man wants to please the Lord. So remember this, and it's so vital that we get this. Everything, everything is spiritual first. Everything is. Everything is. And I'm going to give you scriptures to back all these things up. Go to the uh, book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, I'll read you one verse of scripture. And this is so important for us to catch in our hearts and in our spirits. It's it's a travesty. The things that have been happening are tragedies. No question about it. No one should make excuses for it. Nobody should sit and try to brush it under the rug or push it to the side. Nobody should do that. It's a tragedy. It's a horrible thing. And this isn't the only one with George Floyd. There have been many throughout the decades, throughout lifetimes. And obviously it's not right. We're going to talk about it. Galatians chapter 5. I'll read verses 16 and 17. Listen to this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now look at this. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Keep in mind, Paul's writing this to people who are all ready Christians. They're already Christians. These aren't sinners in Galatia. These are Christians. So Paul's even telling them, if you as renewed beings, if you as Christians, as new creatures in Christ, if you don't walk by the spirit or do the things that the spirit of God has empowered you to do. See, it's not impossible for Christians to sin. It's not impossible. Of course, it's possible for Christians to make mistakes. But Paul is saying here, so that you don't walk by the Spirit, do what he wants you to do and what he empowers you to do, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So Paul's teaching that there's an opposition going on inside your body, inside your mind, and inside your life. That it's the flesh, that it is constantly at war with the Spirit. So watch this. Even as a Christian... I still have my flesh nature. My body will never be glorified until the rapture or until death, actually until the first resurrection. So understand this, that my body, my flesh will not become glorified until that happens. So my flesh is still in that carnal state. It will fight against what God wants my spirit to do and what my spirit's trying to do. So watch, for a Christian, there's a fight going on inside of us. The flesh wants to do one thing. The spirit wants to do another thing. So when when you see an injustice, when you see something that's wicked, when you see something that makes you angry, when you see something that ticks you off, what does your flesh do? Your flesh wants to respond carnally. My flesh wants to smack people around. My flesh wants to get mad and cuss somebody out. My flesh wants to go and destroy something. My flesh wants to get mad and go and cause a scene. That's my flesh nature. My spirit man wants to please the Lord with my actions. So every time something takes place for a Christian, a Christian has two things going on on the inside of them. They have a carnal nature pulling towards disobeying the Lord, and they have a spirit nature pulling towards obeying the Lord and pleasing him. A sinner does not have that. Think about it. Thank you, Priscilla. Think about it. A sinner doesn't have that. 
So people get mad at sinners because they sin. You can't get mad at a sinner because they sin. It's what sinners do. It's like getting mad at a cow for giving milk. You can't. It's like getting mad at a lion for hunting in the jungle. You can't get mad at a sinner for sinning and say, well, he should do better. He can't do better. He's spiritually dead in trespasses and in sins. You can't do better. You can't become perfect. You can't please the Lord with your life. You can't do righteous things if you are dead in trespasses and in sins. So you have a difference. You have the difference between what a Christian looks like and what a sinner looks like in these situations. And when you recognize everything is spiritual first, you know why things happen. If a Christian sins, it's because they're not taking authority over their flesh, renewing their mind, and walking by the Spirit. If a sinner sins, it's because they're a sinner. It's very plain. And so one of the things that I want you to catch with me tonight is this, that when you see sinners, people that don't serve the Lord, that are doing wicked things, it's not because they're just, oh, they're just bad people or they weren't. No, the reason they do them, I mean, you can carry little old ladies' groceries across the street, you can give money to charitable organizations and still pave a way to hell with your life because you can't do good things outside of Jesus. You can't be righteous outside of Christ. And so understand this, everything is spiritual first. Everything stems out of the spirit. The reason people do anti-Christ things is because they're operating by an anti-Christ spirit. I wish people would get this. The reason people do anti-Christ things is because they're operating in an anti-Christ spirit. Jesus said it this way to people, you are of your father, the devil. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. There's only two fathers. Either God will be your father or the devil's your father. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. There's nobody that's like, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not going to choose either one of those. I'm an independent. There is no independent. You either have a father in God or you have a father in the devil. And anybody that has not come into the kingdom through Christ Jesus is of their father, the devil. And they can't do anything righteous. They cannot please the Lord. They will commit wicked actions. They just will because they're outside of Christ. And so when we start recognizing, it's not that, you know, we always look at the uh, results or we look at the fruit rather than looking at the root. Put this in the comments. Stop looking at the fruit. Start looking at the root. Please put that in the comments. I'm not trying to be cliche. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to rhyme. It just came out that way. Stop looking at the fruit and start looking at the root. That's where we need to start. Because if the root is rotten, you'll never get good fruit out of a rotten root. If the tree is dead, it's not going to produce living fruit. Stop looking at the fruit. Start looking at the root. A dead tree is not going to produce living fruit. Why? I don't understand why we as Christians keep looking at sinners and expecting them to come up to our standards. That's a stupid thing to do. It's a stupid thing to do and get out and condemn everybody because they're out committing sins and doing things that are displeasing to the Lord. They won't please the Lord. Their lives have not been renewed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And so people out here calling people out and getting angry and say, they should, I can't believe they would do that. I can believe it. Are you kidding me? I can believe it. There's no end to the depravity of men who don't have Jesus. You understand that, don't you? There's no end to the depravity of men who do not have Jesus. As Andre Crouch sang all those years ago, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Stop looking at the fruit. Start looking at the root. You don't, you, nobody, don't go around and get mad. Don't go around and get mad all the time at the fruit. Start recognizing there's a way to change the fruit of men. The way to change the fruit of men is to change the root of men. Amen. Put that in the comments if you're taking notes. There's a way to change the fruit of men. It's to change the root of men. If you transplant people, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you learn how to transplant people from out of the darkness and into the light, you can change the fruit by transplanting the root. John chapter 15 is very clear. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. See, that's when you start to bring, produce much fruit, which brings great glory to the father. See, and that's John 15 verses five through eight. If you go read it, Jesus saying, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing at all, nothing. If you're connected. So what do we have to do? We have to connect their root to the vine of Christ. And when you connect a dead man's root to the vine of Christ, that virtue that flows out of the root gets into that man and takes him from death unto life. Hallelujah. It takes a man from death unto life. And that's the part that we play in the kingdom. So number one, we have got to understand if you've got, we've got to understand everything is spiritual at the root. It is. Nothing just happens. It's, it's coming out of the spirit realm. There is wickedness and there is righteousness. Neither of those things originate in the flesh. Do you understand that? Neither of those things originate in the flesh. You want me to prove it to you? Take any man's spirit out of his body, his flesh will do nothing. Catch that. Take any man or any woman's spirit out of their body and they will do nothing. They'll die. Their, their mind won't function. Their brain won't function. They can't have good thoughts or bad thoughts. They will drop dead. If you remove a spirit from a body... It's the breath of life. They're done. That's how you know everything originates. So a man who has a spirit that is unregenerated, sinful, that's his origin bubbling up on the inside of him. He will produce things that are displeasing to the Lord because he's connected to his father, the devil. That's the fruit he'll get. But if you understand a Christian is connected to the vine of Christ, his spirit has been renewed and he's bubbling up with rivers of living water and he's producing fruit that's pleasing unto God. There's a difference. The difference is the origin of your spirit, man. It doesn't happen. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. 
There's no other reason. There's no other explanation. We can't go into psychology and go back to how someone's father and mother treated them. It, It has nothing to do with those things. Nothing. Because I know people that were abused by their father and mother. I know people that were sexually abused, but they came into the kingdom, got the Holy Ghost got a hold of them, filled them with power, they got regenerated, and even though they came from a broken past, they're now living in a victorious future. Because it has nothing to do with where you came from, it has everything to do with who you're connected to. Everything. Everything. Share it if you haven't shared it, because this is a public service announcement to all Christians about how we need to understand and operate in right now's culture. The time is now for us to act according to the word of God and bring change to this world, change to this world by the power of God. And so the first thing, I know you wrote it down, the first thing that we have to know is everything starts, originates in the spirit realm. That's number one. The second thing is this. The spirit, this this is so important. The Lord showed me this, I think, what was it? The beginning of last year. I had never seen this before. Let me me tell you the the story of how I, I recognize this from the Holy Ghost. I was in, I was preaching at a youth camp, a youth retreat in West Virginia. We were out in the woods. We'd rented this old college and we were out there and I'm sitting there and I'm, li- and, and I'm listening to the Lord before I preach. I'm like, what in the world? And the Lord said something to me and I thought, if I say that in this service, maybe one person will respond, maybe. And the Lord spoke to me before the service. You know what he said? He said, there's a murderous spirit that's creeping through this generation, trying to kill people through murder through suicide. I mean, he went and listed depression, anxiety. He went through and listed it all. And I'm sitting in that, in that, it was really a library where we were holding the services, college library. And I'm sitting there and I, and I'm, and I'm hearing the Lord. And he said, now call it out tonight and call people forward. That's what he told me to do. He said, call people forward that have been, and I've never heard this. I promise you 20 years of preaching. I've never heard the Lord say this to me. He said, call this out tonight. Tell people to come forward if they've been having constant dreams of themselves dying or being killed in their dreams. I thought, come on. If I say that, if I call that out, maybe one person here among this group of of teenagers is going to come down. Maybe one. And so I preached the message on how there's a murderous spirit sweeping through our generation, trying to kill our generation. And then at the end, I did what the Lord told me. I said, now, every one of you that's been having dreams, constant dreams, not a dream, you have constant dreams of yourself dying or being killed. I want you to get out of your seat and come to the altar tonight. Can I tell you? And I thought, and there was probably about like a hundred kids there. I'm telling you like 35 of the 100 got out of their seat, walked to the altar crying and lifted their hands, I looked across and saw all of those young people that the devil was trying to kill. And I looked across the altar and thought, oh my Lord, this is not one person in the group. This is like 30% of this crowd. I went to New York, the only second only time the Lord's ever told me to do it. I was with my friend, Pastor Cody Spencer at the Uproar Conference in First Arena. 
And the Lord said, it's happening again. Say it again. I called it out. Now there was way more kids, but I called it out. And can I tell you instantly about 80 or 90 young people came to the altar crying and weeping with their hands lifted. And the Lord said, let people know there is a murderous spirit that's sweeping. Now you can see it. Now it's becoming clear. You see that chronic depression, suicides are on the rise, not the decline, on the rise. Chronic depression on the rise. You can see this. All these things that are happening now, murder, people that are going after others, committing all kinds of crimes, violent actions, it's on the rise. Why? There's a spirit, a murderous spirit. And I want you to see this because you need to write this down. Number two, number two, the spirit of antichrist is destructive. It's a destructive, murderous spirit that must be cast out. No question. No question. The spirit of Antichrist, it's a murderous, destructive spirit that must be cast out. Second thing you need to understand before we move forward tonight is that an Antichrist spirit is a murderous, destructive spirit. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you from the word of God. Go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Now I want you to see this with me. This is the story, as you know, of two parents bringing their son to Jesus. The disciples couldn't cast the demon out of their son, so they bring him to Jesus. Look at this. The Bible says, and I'll start reading. Let me see here. I'll start reading with verse 17 through 22. Mark 9, 17 through 22. Listen to this. The Bible says, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. Verse 19, and he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Verse 20, look at this. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. Look at this. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. Look at verse 22. This is your key. And it has often, often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now, let me stop there. If anybody else saw this, number two, the spirit of Antichrist is a murderous, destructive spirit. Write it down. If anybody saw this today, you know what they'd say? Well, that boy's just suicidal. He just has mental problems and he's suicidal. He tries to jump into fires. He tries to drown himself in the water. You know, he's just, he's a suicidal kid. That's what they'd say. Jesus understood what it was, a demon spirit that's trying to destroy the boy. He said, this thing has been on him. And the parents told him, it often throws him into the fire. It often throws him into the water. You know why? An antichrist spirit is a murderous, destructive spirit. Needs to be understood. If you go back to Mark chapter five, you read the story of the man who was possessed with a legion of demons. And the Bible tells us what happened to him. He was so violent they threw him out of the city, made him live in the graveyard. They tried to chain him up with chains. He'd snap the chains. And so he lived out into the gra in the graveyard. Let me go back there and read that part to you. The Bible says he, 
He lived out in the graveyard. Look at this, Mark 5, 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 5. Night and day, he was among the tombs on the mountains. He was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. You see that? The spirit of Antichrist is a murderous, destructive spirit. He was always filled with demons, crying out, cutting himself with stones. If the demon can't make you throw yourself into the water or the fire, he'll get you to start cutting yourself, destroying you. Because understand this, the devil, the Bible says it very clearly in John chapter 10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Just know it right now. The reason that the devil has come is to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And you look at this. You look at what's happened in Minnesota. You look at George Floyd. You look at what's happened there. And a spirit of antichrist, a spirit of hate, a spirit of racism that's trying to sweep through the world. You know what's happened? It's stolen that man from his family. It's stolen that man from his family. His family can't hug him anymore. They can't kiss him anymore. They can't be with him anymore and enjoy his company anymore. They cannot. A spirit of Antichrist has stolen that man from his family. It's demonic. Are you hearing hearing what I'm saying? It's demonic. It's the devil who's at work behind the scenes to destroy the men and women of this nation and other nations and this world because he's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so don't think for a minute that this is just some natural thing. Don't think for a minute that this is just some common thing. Well, you know how the world is, brother. You know how people are, brother. There's just some people out there. No, it's demonic. The devil comes for that purpose, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And there are people, whether they know it or not, that they are actually guided by an antichrist spirit to take the actions that they take. Let me just tell you something. If you don't belong to Jesus, the devil can use you how he wants to use you. The Bible's clear on it. If you don't belong to Christ, then the devil can use you how he wants to use you. And so don't think for a moment that people, even people, politicians that are in political offices, people that are all through this nation, people that own corporations and businesses, people that work at your job, people people that aren't saved, they have an unregenerated spirit. And many times they don't even understand that the actions they're taking are aligned with anti-God, anti-Christ actions that are used by the enemy to steal and kill and destroy. Understand that. The spirit of Antichrist is a destructive, murderous spirit. It's what we're dealing with. It's not people. It manifests through people, but you've got to understand this. Uh, Let me ask you a question. If it's just people, if, if it's just people, then how come all white people aren't racist? And how come all black people aren't racist? And how come all Latinos aren't racist? If, if that's the case, how come all people from China, all people from Japan, all people from Syria aren't racist? If it's just a culture thing, if it's just a people thing, how come it's not everybody? Why is it only people that are used by that same kind of a mindset? It's because it's not everybody. It's not everybody. 
It's people that allow themselves to be yielded to that type of a mindset and spirit. And it manifests in their life and you see tragedies just like this. And so we need to understand it's about the root, not the fruit. So when we go to deal with it, when we go to deal with it. Now, let, let me, uh, I'll tell you why, why I'm saying this. And I, as you'll, you'll see it as I go through the rest of this broadcast, because I'm going to give you some reasons to respond. And see, we, we, start to, we start to form groups. We start to form alliances. We start to craft names and banners. We start to come under the same banner. We start to brand it. And then we go stand up for things to stop the fruit. But the problem is you can't do things in the natural to stop the fruit if you don't mess with the root. It'll stay the same. It'll stay the same. That's why I've been trying to tell people, even through all of this, anytime there's an issue like this, one of the things I try to tell people, when we legislate things, when we put things through legislation, when we pass laws, when we have things that are written in our government and we ha- are, they're enacted on paper and they start being carried out in the court systems, all that does is give us a way to punish things that are wrong. That's all it does. Please understand that everybody that's watching me, that is all legislation can do. It's all it can do. It just gives us a way to legally punish a wrong. That's all. It will never change people. (laughs) I don't know why people don't get that. It'll never change people. So, you know, well, drugs are illegal. Do people still use drugs? Absolutely. 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 You go to Mexico, all guns are illegal in Mexico. Do people still have guns? Absolutely. Wicked people have guns. So legislation doesn't change a man. It doesn't change a woman. It just gives us a framework with which we can punish those wrongs. That's all it does. You Put this in the comments tonight and please understand it. You cannot legislate love. Put it in the comments. You know, people, people mock me for saying that on social media. Well, I don't think anybody's trying to legislate love. Well, what we're trying to do, if we're trying to start a movement that changes the hearts of men, racism's wrong. Yes, it's wrong. Of course it's wrong. It's, it's demonic and sinful. But let me tell you something. If we think that the way we're going to solve racism is through legislation and is through, it's not going to happen. It's not, I explained it to you at the first, very first part of this broadcast, that if people's hearts don't change, if the root does not change, they will continue in what they're doing. You can't change. Let me say something. You can't change a man by debating him. That's why as much as I love studying Christian apologetics and knowing the answers to give to those that have disagreements about our faith, and to understand why we believe what we believe and we're commanded to do that, I know and I recognize I cannot debate someone into the kingdom. It is impossible. It does not happen that way. You can't debate somebody into the kingdom. You can't debate somebody into changing their actions. Do you know if you study the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he was the most intelligent and educated man in the New Testament outside of Jesus because his was as supernatural as it comes. But understand this, Paul sat at the feet of one of the greatest teachers in the history of Judaism that ever existed, Gamaliel, and was on a fast track to be part of the Sanhedrin council. He was so intelligent, it was insane. 
Paul went to Athens and saw, that was by the way, Athens in Greece at the time was the headquarters. You could have called it, it was like the city university if you want to. All of the Stoic and the Epicurean philosophers were there and they would debate each other all day long. Paul tried to use a statue that was designated to an unknown God to get involved with their debate system and debate them and and get into an argument and try to uh, convince them into the kingdom. It was his least profitable mission in all of the New Testament. The Bible says only a few, a small few, believed and followed after him. Some said he's crazy, and some said we'll hear you about this again later. It was his least effective mission in all the New Testament. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 2.4, now I don't come to you with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, so that your faith won't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He learned his lesson. I'm not going to mess around trying to debate you or get you with enticing words of my wisdom. You need to see the power of God. That's what will change a man. That's what will change a woman. I can't debate people into the kingdom. I cannot sit there and give you facts and statistics to change your mind and cause you to take righteous actions. It doesn't work. It does not work. And people are trying to do that. Well, if we could just understand where we came from, it won't work. No amount of reparations, no amount of understanding statistics, no amount of understanding the differences or privilege or anything else is going to change the hearts of men. It won't. It'll never change. You know, I had somebody tell me, do you know that I had somebody tell me today on social media, you can't speak to this. You'll never understand this because you're not black. Somebody told me that today. You can't speak to this. You'll never understand this because you are not black. Now, let me tell you the problem with saying something like that. Number one If that's really true, if no one could ever understand any tragedy that happens to an African-American because they personally aren't black, then nothing can ever change. Understand that. If no one can understand it except black people, then nothing can ever change, ever. I'm talking about logically. You just think about it. White people can't understand it. Latinos can't understand it. Asians can't understand it. No, but nobody but black people can. Well, if that's the truth, it'll never go outside the black community because nobody could understand it and no one can change it because we don't understand. I don't have to be black to love black people. I have friends. I have many friends on watching right now that are black. I don't have to be black to love them. I don't have to be black to understand this was a tragedy, a senseless killing. It was a murder. I don't have to be black to know that. I don't have to be black to hate it because I do hate it and I'm white. I don't have to be black to know that George Floyd's life was valuable and priceless. I don't have to be black to know his spirit man was eternal and will rest in either heaven or hell like every other spirit man. I don't have to be black to know that. I don't have to be black to be sympathetic to the plight of the African-American. That's a stupid thing to say. It's a stupid thing to say, and it stems out of racism. 
Well, you don't know me unless you was black, unless you walked a mile in a black man. You can't talk like that and think it's going to solve anything. That's stupidity. It's straight up stupidity. And people that talk like that are not for change. They just want to be hurt. They just want to be offended. They want to keep the narrative going and they want to keep on moving in the direction they've always moved. You can't think like that and talk like that and think it's going to bring a change. It will not. It will not. Well, you can't, unless you've walked a mile in a black man's shoes. I don't have to walk in a black man's shoes. Do you think I have to walk in a black man's shoes for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year to be heartbroken like God is heartbroken over the murder of a man that should, I, you know, why does it have to be? And I understand, listen, I understand how there is, uh, if you look at the statistics, you know, you have people that are in prison are predominantly black, even though it's a minority in culture. Many of our prisons are filled with young black men. I understand all the inequalities. I do. But understand this. Why do, why do I have to know the color? Watch this. Let me give you an example. If I, if I couldn't see the news, if all I could do was hear the news, and somebody said a police officer knelt on George Floyd's neck while he was on the ground, not restrain, not resisting arrest, not fighting back, laying peacefully on the ground with his hands behind his backs in handcuffs already subdued. And a police officer put his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck and as he begged for his life and to breathe until he was dead in the hospital later. And that's all I knew about it. What do you... Do I have to know he was black to be sad about that or to know it was wrong or to know it was a murder, to know it was an injustice, to know it should never happen again? Why do I have to know his color to feel that way? Do you, do you want to know something? I would feel this way if he was uh, Latino. I would feel this way if he was uh, Japanese or if he was Chinese. I'd feel this way if he was from the Middle East. I'd feel this way if he was white. I would. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if he was rich, if he was poor, if he was tall, if he was short. It wouldn't matter his race. None of that matters. He's a life. He's an eternal being that will spend eternity in heaven or hell. And those lives are important. Has, no, has nothing to do. You, re, you understand this. If I didn't even know, you think I would treat it differently? I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. I don't have to be black to mourn the death of George Floyd. And I don't mind saying his name over and over and over. It should be said. It should be heard. It shouldn't be forgotten. And I have, it doesn't bother me a bit that people continue to harass me and say things online and send me direct messages that I need to shut up because I'm not black and you don't understand. You don't know the, I don't have to be because I love you. And if I love you, then I can understand the pain. I can understand the wrong. It's people that don't care about other people that shouldn't speak. That's who shouldn't speak. People who don't love other people, that's who shouldn't speak. That's who should stay quiet. People that don't walk in love, that's who we need to be silent right now. Not people that have love for other people. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't travel the world at my own expense and preach in places that I get no, you understand them. There's, there's so many things that I do that there's no gain in it for me. It's only a gain for the kingdom. 
You think I travel to third world nations and preach there? You know, like the, the stupid people say, well, these preachers, they only preach because they want your money. Do you think I travel to third world nations and preach in those nations to people because the offerings are large? The people are poor. They couldn't bless me if they wanted to. They couldn't, they, it's not about that. You think I go and stand there like, oh, it's going to be a really, no, I go to nations and preach in places that I know that by the time the whole thing's done and I come back home, I will have paid to preach. You realize that I will have paid to preach. Do you think that I would spend my life doing things like that? If I didn't love people, it's about love. My friends, it's about love. My friends. Understand that if you don't have love, you have nothing. You've got nothing, nothing. And I know people are hurting and I hurt with them. I understand what Paul wrote about that. That brings me to number three. And I want you to write this down. I love Barbados. Love you there. Listen, to, write this down. Number three, third thing we need to understand. Love is the principal element in God's kingdom. Love is the principal element in God's kingdom. Put it in the comments. Love is the principal element in God's kingdom. Must be understood. Must be understood. Let me, let me give you this quickly from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hear what I say. Hear what I say. It's above anything else. Love is above anything else. Listen to this. I'll read you three different verses from the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Let me read you verse 2. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. Catch that. I am nothing. If I don't have love, I'm nothing, the Bible says. Look at verse 6. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Well, what is the truth? The truth in this situation is that, number one, it should never have happened. Number two, the second truth that we should talk about here is that instead of hundreds of people filming it on their cell phones, they should have threw their cell phones down and gone and done something physically about it. I actually was called in for jury duty and they asked me in jury duty this last year, they said, does anybody here ever believe? Cause it was an, it was actually, it was actually a case where, where a police officer had hands laid on him by a civilian. And they asked in the courtroom, the attorney asked, does anybody here believe that a, that anybody should ever, uh, there should ever be a time where someone puts their hands on a police officer? And I lifted my hand and they called on me. They said, excuse me, sir, give us your opinion on that. I said, of course, I respect police officers highly. I respect them highly. I thank God for their work. I thank God for their sacrifice. I thank God for all they have to give up. And every time they risk their life to help us, I thank God for them. And I thank God for the nation we live in where we are literally living protected from wickedness. But I also said this. I said, if I ever see something happen where I know that the cop was doing something illegal or if he was uh, looking to kill someone or kill a member of my family or kill me, I said, you better believe that I would do something about it. 
I'm not going to let somebody, I would actually be willing to suffer the consequences to save somebody's life. I would be really, let me just tell you this. Somebody that was standing there, including by the way, the other officers that were with the police officer should have stepped in and done something physically. Anybody that was standing there with their phone out, what a cowardly action. Well, we've got to get it online. We've got to make sure people know about this. How about instead of letting people know about his death, you prevent his death by putting your phone in your pocket and going and doing something. Well, I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to hinder the, uh, the officers. And <laughs> Meanwhile, we got a dead man on our hands, but we got a lot of video of it. Got a lot of video of it. But the man's still dead when he could have been alive if people, no, oh, now people want to go do something. Now people want to go burn down a target and burn down a church and tear and take every flat screen out. The thing. Oh, now they want to do that. Do it then. Do it when the man is still alive. Do it when he still has breath in his lungs. And don't wait because, well, we got a lot of good video of it. We'll never forget. Hashtag never forget. Hashtag never forget. We wouldn't have had to never forget if you'd have saved his life. People in our culture just filming everything. Kids getting abused at public schools, getting beat up in the hallways, getting smacked around outside. And people, everybody's filming it and screaming, oh, instead of loving their fellow man and taking care of people that can't take care of themselves. You got to take care of people that can't take care of themselves. That's what love does. That's what love does. I live one block Hear what I'm telling you tonight. I live one block away from Stoneman Douglas High School where the shooter came in and killed all those kids. It's one block from my house. I can walk there. I can walk there. And the police officer that hid his sorry behind behind the wall while kids were getting shot and killed should be in prison. He should be in prison for the rest of his life. Because you swore an oath to stand in those schools and protect those children that are just trying to get an education. And you got somebody that comes in with a gun and destroys lives and you're hiding behind a wall and they caught you on a security camera. You should be in jail for the rest of your life. Absolutely you should be. Because you took an oath to protect and serve and you didn't protect anybody. Oh, well, you know, it's actually standard operating procedure to wait until the backup comes. It was a little late, wasn't it? It was a little late for the backup. See, if you're not willing to give your life in, in the line of duty that you've actually signed up for, don't sign up. Don't sign up. Because I'm not a police officer, but I'd be willing to run in there and tackle a guy. I don't care if he had uh, an AR-15 or not. And I'm not just saying this because oh, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. I'm not telling you. If you don't know that about me, you don't know me. You don't know me. And somebody in Minnesota should have stood up. Somebody in Minnesota put their phone away and go in there and save a man's life instead of sitting there and getting everything on film. It's ridiculous. Now a man has to, a family has to be without their man for the rest of their lives, have to bury that man. Think about it. Love does what's right. Love does what's right. You know what? I'd rather serve five years in prison, three years in prison 
for you know obstructing an officer's an officer in a line of his duty. But but the man's still alive, isn't he? Man's still alive, isn't he? But he's not tonight, and it's a tragedy. It was a murder, and love stands up. Love stands up when it has the ability to do something. Listen to what the Bible says. I read you verse six. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Anybody you see on social media with their little stupid comment, you understand they're not in the kingdom. They're not in the kingdom because God is love. And anybody that doesn't love doesn't have God for God is love. And if you're out there with your little comment and sweeping things under the rug and acting like it's not important, you're not from God. So stop pretending like you are. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But let me read you verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these three is love. The greatest of these three is love. It's the element for God's kingdom. It's the principal element. This is number three. It's the principal element in God's kingdom. Let me give you number four, because I'm ready to get into this now. I'm ready to get into this. That's what we need to understand. But now let me give you some things here. Number four, write it down in all capital letters and put it in your notes. Racists aren't children of God. They're liars. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Racists are not children of God. They are liars. And I'm going to show you in the Bible. You say, well, brother, anybody really understands that. Oh, really? How come we still have white churches? How come we still have black churches? How come, when, when, how come everybody gets a weird look? How come if I, as a white person, was to visit a black church, that when I walk in, everybody looks at me sideways, wondering how come I'm there and not at my church? Why do we still have that going on? How come we have it where you got these neighborhoods where you got a white church and if a black family came in to visit on a Sunday, came from somewhere else, that everybody in the congregation looks sideways at them and you got old white women grabbing their purses and holding them closer to their chest. What's going on in America where you've got black churches that white people really aren't welcome in and you got white churches where black people really aren't welcome there? And they say, well, we're children of God, you know, but we all have our own churches. Amen. We just prefer that you go to your own church. Hallelujah. No, you're not a child of God. You're a liar and you're not in the kingdom of God. Bible teaches it. I'm going to show it to you. The Bible teaches it. Explain to me why we've got churches where people aren't welcome because of the color of their skin. It might not be shouted from the pulpit, but they'll make you feel it. They'll make you feel it. Oh, what church did, what's your church? What church is, you know, with your little greeter, with your little attitude? Oh, where's your church? Oh, what does that mean? This can't be my church because I'm black? This can't be my church because I'm white? You got a problem. If everybody in your church is white, you've got a problem unless you're, you're an Eskimo. Got a problem. If everybody in your church is black, ain't no white people in there, ain't no Latinos in there, you've got a problem. Because the kingdom is not monochromatic. Somebody needs to put it in the comments section. And remember, I might make a t-shirt. The kingdom is not monochromatic. Kingdom's not one color. Kingdom's not black. The kingdom's not white. The kingdom's not brown. The kingdom's not yellow, red. No, we're all precious in his sight. 
The kingdom is not monochromatic. You need to put it in the comments. The kingdom is not monochromatic. Well, we go to a black church down the road. Oh, why is it a black church? Is the church building printed black, painted black? Why is it a black church? Oh, we go to a white church. Oh, did you whitewash the outside? Because that's really what it is. Like Jesus said, you whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Full of dead men's bones. The kingdom is not monochromatic. Oh, I like that black gospel. Why can't it just be gospel? Why does it have to be black gospel? What type of music do you like? I like black gospel. Why does it have to be black gospel? It's just gospel music. Kingdom's not monochromatic. And listen to what the Bible says. 1 John chapter 4. And I want to read this to you. Verses 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he do not, who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Must, not might, not probably should. If you love God, you must love your brother. There's no room for racism in the kingdom of God of any shape or size. There's no room. If you hate your brother, the Bible says that the love of God is not in you. It's not in you. You can't be a racist. People say, well, brother, I don't take any racist actions. If you're a racist in your heart, think about that. Let me give you something. The Bible says, Jesus said this, Moses, uh, he, Jesus goes, goes in the New Testament from teaching actions versus heart. If you've done it in your heart, you've done it. Not if you've actually done it. Jesus taught if you've done it in your heart, you've done it. So I don't ever have to put on a, a KKK hood and walk around my neighborhood. I don't ever have to go to a lynching. If I, in my heart, have those feelings towards my brothers, then I myself do not know God and am not a part of the kingdom of God. Well, brother, I've never actually done anything. But if it's in your heart, it's a heart. It's the state of your heart. Not, see, because everything we do comes out of the abundance of our heart. You won't be able to hide it forever. You won't be able to hide it forever. And that's right, Shamar. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. So you better know this. You can't love somebody with outward signs. Oh yeah, I love, I love my brother. And then in your heart, you have different feelings because somebody's black or they're white or because they're Latino or because they're from Asia or because they're from the Middle East. And then you say, well, I, no, the Bible says you don't love God. You're not a part of the kingdom of God because the love of God's not in you. If you can't love a brother you can see, you'll never love a God you don't see. And racists are not in the kingdom. And the Bible says every single one of them is a liar. Is a liar. It's a liar. I don't care how many times, you know, of course, we're, hopefully we're, we are uh, forward enough now in, in, in America to understand these things. I had a guy get mad at me recently 
because I said that the same demonic racism that's in the KKK is the same demonic racism that's in the Black Panthers. And he got all mad. Got all mad at me because that's what I said. Well, he just doesn't understand. Oh, really? Because you don't have to be white to be racist. There are black racists. There are Latino racists. There are Chinese and Japanese racists. There are racists from the Middle East. You don't have to be a certain color to be a racist. There are racists everywhere, but I'll tell you where they're not, in the kingdom of God. There are racists everywhere except in the kingdom of God because the Bible is clear. If you hate your brother, and that includes your sister, then the love of God is not in you. You can't hate your brother that you do see and still love a God that you can't see. It is impossible. It's impossible. Racism is demonic. It's not just a problem. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I know I'm not like, it's not like I'm a, <laughs> it's funny how when stuff like this happens, everybody thinks they're doing everybody a favor by standing up against it. It's like, it's not like there's people that are just openly supporting racism and they're like, you know, I think, you know, I've always been a racist and I'm proud of it. No, I mean, you're not doing anybody. It's not like you're on the edge. You're, oh, wow, God, did you hear how edgy brother Ted is? He's actually condemning racism online. Everybody condemns racism. There's nobody standing up and saying, he should have died. Nobody feels that way. I mean, there's the, there's the, you know, the demon possessed person out there that I'm sure feels that way, but you're not doing any, you're not on the edge because you condemn racism, racism. It's not just wrong. I want you to hear me tonight. Racism's not just wrong. It is demonic. <laughs> it is anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ. It's demonic. It, at its root, it comes from the devil. It's not just wrong. Well, I just really think racism is wrong. Oh, really? Is that what you think? It's not just wrong. It's demonic. It stems from a demon spirit of hate. Hear what I say tonight. If you didn't share this, you need to share it. Because I don't know what you'd share. If you can't share this right now, I don't know what you're waiting on to share whatever you share. They're not children of God. They're liars, the Bible says. Every racist is a demonic liar. No question. Now, I want to give you four things. Four things that you need to do in response. How do we respond as Christians? Let me give it to you. Number one, number one, very important. Be driven by principle and not by feelings. This is your response. Let me give you the responses. Number one, be driven by principle and not by emotions. Needs to be said for every believer out there. I tweeted this today, and I'm not ashamed that I tweeted it. Well, of course, I'm not ashamed of anything that I tweet because I think before I tweet. I think before I tweet. I don't know. Do people think I'm going to be ashamed because I tweeted something without thinking? I leave it up. I thought about it. Like people were going to shame me because of what I tweeted today. I'll read it on my broadcast. This is the first thing before I get to the thing I meant to say. I said this. In your opinion, what's the best way to honor the memory of George Floyd? A, steal a TV and some liquor. B, burn a building. C, harm innocent people. D, 
target good officers. And then, you know, people jump on me. Well, I think you should think of a better way to talk about this incident than that. Oh, should I? Because that's what's actually happening, genius. Well, you don't know what they've gone through to do those things. Oh, really? Did it take a whole lot for you to storm into a Target and steal a flat screen TV? It took a lot for you to do that? Yeah, I can just see. I mean, people are so dumb, man. I can just see Martin Luther King Jr. storming into a Walmart and taking a 65-inch television and, and storming out with it. People are, you know how far we've come? Do you know how far we've come from the integrity that that man had? From the class that that man had? From the anointing? People watch me, you don't even know. You go back and watch Martin Luther King Jr. speak. You watch him speak publicly. He was anointed by God. People don't even know. Well, he was just a really talented public speaker. Got the ear of the people. He wasn't a talented public speaker. He was anointed by God Almighty. If you think that that man got, got up and gave that speech and told everybody, I have a dream, and he just came up with a really good idea with pen and paper in a room one night, you don't understand what was going on. The man was anointed by God Almighty. How far we've come from a man like Martin Luther King Jr., who'd be turning over in his grave to see the foolishness that's happening on the streets of America and how far we've come since the civil rights movement and people are out there politically driven, being paid off by people with an antichrist agenda and others think, oh, what I wonder, that's how we should respond. You're a fool if you think that that solves anything. Let me tell you something. If you're a fool, if you think looting and rioting upholds the name of George Floyd, who senselessly died and was murdered, martyred if you want to say it properly, if you think that that's the proper response to a senseless tragedy, to a man that will continue to say his name and that his family will now have to live without him, but the right thing we should do is burn down Target in a church and we should steal flat screens. I saw a dude walking out with cargo pants with nine bottles of Jack Daniels and wild turkey. How in the world does that change race relations? You tell me. You tell me, if I'm just stupid, if I'm just completely obtuse and, and just an idiot, I can't see it. And I'm a critical thinker. I'm a critical thinker. I, I've thought it left, right, up and down and backwards. And I can't think how stealing nine bottles of, uh, of, of Jack Daniels and wild turkey is going to somehow move us forward in race relations stupid people. It's jealous people. It's evil people. It's greedy, wicked people. It has nothing to do with a love for the black community or a hatred for injustice. It has nothing to do with that. Burning churches down. It's ridiculous. People are out of their freaking minds. If you think that you've moved it forward in any way, shape, or form, You've moved it backwards, and Martin Luther King Jr. is rolling over in his grave if that was even possible. But he's not. He's in heaven shouting on streets of gold. You think he got up and gave the speech, I have a dream, because he got a good idea somewhere. He was anointed by God, and it was nothing like what's going on today. 
people showing pictures of Martin Luther King Jr. dishonoring his memory with the foolishness going on in the streets of America today, acting like it's the same thing. It's so far from the same thing. People have lost their minds because they're acting with an antichrist agenda. It's an antichrist agenda, not a Christ agenda. It's not a Christ-like agenda. Martin Luther King Jr. had a Christ-like agenda. Operated in the spirit of Christ and operated with the anointing of God on his life and accomplished something, not just for the world, but for the kingdom. It's not what's happening today, I can tell you that. It's an antichrist spirit. And listen, this is America. People totally have a right to protest. We, I'm not condemning protesters. We have a right to peaceably assemble. We have a right to protest what we don't agree with. We have a right to stand up to injustice, and we should stand up to injustice. But if they think that, what's going on in these cities, which is being paid for by people with an antichrist agenda, if you don't even know that, you need to start digging. Don't be a sheep. They get up in, in Minnesota and announce all of the people that were arrested that were rioting and destroying things weren't even from that state. Give me a break. Unbelievable. Recognize this with me tonight. Recognize this with me. Number one, always act, always act from principle, not from emotion. From principle, not from emotion. Principles is what change things, not emotion. Not emotion. You do things in your flesh and in your emotions, you're going to always end in trouble. Always. Always. Let, let, me, let me show you something in case you don't know. Let me read the thing that I told you I would read you. I tweeted this today, and I'll tell you this. I agree with it and stand behind it a hundred million percent. Listen to me read this. Any Christian who quickly hits the streets to protest but doesn't hit the streets to win souls should immediately take stock of their life because a heart change through salvation is the only way wickedness stops in a person. That's it. Only way wickedness stops in a person. I stand behind that 100%. I don't care if people like it or not. I've had people write me. Well, I was in the protest. Protest is fine. But it's funny to me how people put culture over kingdom. Let me talk about this. It needs to be said. People are putting culture over kingdom. And if you're in the kingdom, that's the wrong move. That's the wrong move. The Bible says in Christ, in him, there is neither Jew nor Greek. See, in the Old Testament, you weren't God's people unless you were born into uh, Judaism. Unless you were Jewish, unless you were from Israel, you weren't one of God's children. And there was no way to become one of God's children. But in the New Covenant, because of what Jesus did, it doesn't matter what you are. You can be a Jew. You can be a Gentile. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you do, what you've done. You can come into the kingdom because it's about everybody, not a culture, a kingdom. And people put, it's funny to me, people that have never gone out on the street a day in their life to win souls on the streets, never a day have they gone out to win souls. 
And the first, they're out there so quick to protest and hold up a sign. Well, we got to get it with urgency, brother. We got to get out there with urgency. Now's the time. Let me tell you what's more urgent than this. People are going to hell and Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming. You know what's worth worse than tragedies? You know what's worse than harm? People being injured? You know what's wrong with worse than people being murdered? Is the fact that the spirit of a man will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And if you've got an urgency to protest for your culture as a believer, why don't you have a greater urgency to win souls? He that wins souls is wise. And as my grandfather said, he that doesn't win souls is otherwise. How can we have a greater urgency to push our personal culture forward and zero urgency to push the kingdom forward? How is that possible? Well, I just felt I had to get out there. I I just felt I had to get out there and start protesting. I mean, it's urgent. Now's the time. We got to get out there and protest. Meanwhile, you don't give a crap about people's eternal soul. And it's proof by how you live your life. It's proof. The proof is in the pudding. And the pudding is what you're doing with your life. It's the actions you're taking. If all I do is just look at you and I can clearly see that you don't care about going out on the streets and actually winning winning souls to Jesus Christ, but you're the first one to grab up a sign and go stand in a peaceful protest, and I'm, I'm all for it if you want to protest peacefully. I know we have the right. We should stand against injustice. I'm not condemning protesting peacefully. Have at it if that's what you want to do. But not at the expense of the kingdom. Not at the expense of, of, of the souls. Now I heard that George Floyd was a, a believer. And I pray that that's the case. Because that means today, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I pray that he was, I heard that he was a believer and, and had ministered in the past. I pray that that is the truth. Because that means he's shouting today on streets of gold in the presence of God. And I pray that's the case. Because I'll tell you, it's greater to be in the presence of God than it is to be on this earth. Although his family will miss him greatly. But I'm telling you right now, the souls of men are more important than any cultural thing. And I don't care if that makes people mad. I don't care if people get offended over that. I'm not telling you that culture is not important. I'm telling you it's not as important as the kingdom. It's not. It's not. It's not. Let me go further with you. Number one, be driven. I'll give you a couple of verses. When Jesus was being taken away, Gospel of John chapter 18. Let me just give it to you quickly. Gospel of John chapter, in fact, instead of turning there, I'll, I'll give you the references for time's sake. Jesus was in the garden. They came to take him away. Roman soldiers, Roman soldiers. Let me just tell you this. The Jews, Jerusalem was being occupied by Romans that were ruling over them. It was a cultural thing. They were, I mean, they were crucifying Jews. They were torturing and killing Jews. Let me ask you a question for everybody that's all social justice warrior princess out there. Let me ask you a question. How many times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, did you see Jesus trying to overthrow Roman rulership of Jerusalem? 
Please somebody find it for me in the scripture. Somebody find for me where Jesus organized the Jews together to kick the Romans out of Jerusalem and to stop the senseless crucifixions of the Jews whom they were persecuting, torturing, and killing. Show me the times. I just want somebody to show me where Jesus organized these things because he's our master. He's the one that he's our, he's actually not just our master. The Bible says that he's the perfect, he's the radiance of God's glory, Hebrews 1, 3, and the perfect uh, picture or imprint of his nature on the earth. So show me where Jesus did everything he could to overthrow the rule of the Romans and the emperor in Jerusalem and try to ban Jewish militia together to kick the Romans out of Jerusalem and to bring back a Jewish political state. How many times did, in fact, when they questioned Jesus on it, do you really think we should pay taxes to the Romans? He said, give me a coin. And they handed him a coin. They said, and he said, whose picture is on the coin? Oh, Caesar's picture. Okay, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. You know what they were wanting him to do, don't you? They were wanting, they gave Jesus an opportunity to to speak out against the racism, to speak out against the crucifixions and the senseless killings. They gave Jesus the opportunity to speak out against Rome and the emperor and Caesar. And Jesus said, just give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to, Jesus didn't come here to start a political kingdom. He came to preach the kingdom of God and bring souls into eternity. That's what Jesus came to do. What do you think? Jesus couldn't have taken time You think Jesus couldn't have taken time to speak out against Caesar and speak out against Rome and try to kick Romans out? Why didn't Jesus call angels to drive the the Romans out of Jerusalem, the city of God? And when they came to get him in the garden, remember this, when they came to get him in the garden, Peter acted out of emotion pulled his sword out, started swinging it, and cut off the the, uh, servants here, Malchus. And Jesus said, put it away and picked the ear up and put it back on and healed it and went with them. Went with them. You need to remember this. Very, very important that we remember this. Jesus, now Jesus wasn't a racist. You go, the Bible says that Jesus went out of his way, John chapter four. The Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. They were acting racist themselves. They were acting racist themselves. And Jesus went out of his way in John chapter four to go through Samaria and to meet with the woman at the well. And he asked her for water. They would never have done that. Even his disciples came back like, what in the world is he doing? Jesus wasn't racist. He loved all men and women, all men and women. But notice his love was for their soul to bring them into the kingdom, anointed as apostles, and then tore the veil and said everybody has access to the to the spirit and presence of God. And then Peter got the vision that Gentiles can receive the gospel as well as the Jews. And the, and the gospel went to everybody. Acts 10.34, the Bible says Peter spoke up when he saw Italian people getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, I can clearly see that God does not show favoritism to man. He's no respecter of persons. The the thing that Jesus did was made the power of God available to the world. He's not a racist. He loves all men the same. 
Loves all men the same. You, you see that. But you've got to be driven by principle, not by emotion. Jesus was always driven by principle, not by emotion. Always. Write it down. First thing for response, be driven by principle, not by emotion. Number two, the second thing you need to understand, stand with those that are wronged and weep with those that weep. The Bible teaches that. Paul taught it to the Romans, Romans 12, 15. Weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. That's why I'm talking like this. It's a horrible thing that happened. We don't ignore it. We don't sweep it under the rug. We're not trying to uh, deflect. You crazy? It's horrible. It's wrong. It's demonic. It happened. It's an anti-Christ thing. Anti-Christ thing. So you have to have compassion. You've got to love those. As I said, if you have the opportunity to stand up and people should have done it. People should have done it. But you've got to learn how to walk in compassion. Walk in compassion. I know we not, I'm not standing here saying that I understand everything about the black culture. I don't. That I understand everything about the Latino culture. I don't. I don't even understand everything about the white culture, to be honest with you. But I have a love for them. A love that's way deeper than their skin color. Way deeper than that. Goes to the deepest part of every individual. I have a love for their eternal soul. I want to see people in heaven, not in hell. Not in hell. And I love them. I love people. I love people. You know, people can get mad at me for saying this. Get mad at me if you want to. But see, the people always are trying to go after the fruit rather than deal with the root. That's why something like Black Lives Matter is not going to ever work. It's not going to ever work, nor will it get anybody closer to the, to the answer that we're looking for. I agree that Black Lives Matter because I agree that all lives matter, as I've said tonight. And it's not racist to say all lives matter. I understand there's been inequality and injustice in different areas. I get that. But there is no life that matters more than another life. There is none. And if you think that, you are racist. If you think that because there have have been tragedies and because there have been injustices and because there have been inequalities, if you think that for that reason some lives matter more than others, you are racist. Because to put somebody's life on a higher pedestal than someone else's life because of the color of their skin is racist. I don't know how people don't get that. It's not racist to say all lives matter. They all do. It would have been just as much of a tragedy if a white person had been murdered, if a Latino had been murdered, if a Chinese person or a Japanese person, a Syrian, somebody, it doesn't matter if they could have been from Dubai. It's just as much of a tragedy. And I understand the thing that people get angry about is that the follow-up many times is different. I get that. I'm not stupid. I understand that. Well, you imagine if that was a white person, they would have been all over that case. I mean, there would have been, or that that police officer would have never dared to, to kneel on a white person's neck. I get all that. I get all that. Trust me, I do. I totally do. But the life itself, the life itself 
is just as valuable as anyone else's life. You don't have to have a certain color skin for your life to matter. Doesn't help us. Doesn't push things forward. It does not. It'll never change the hearts of men. It'll never change the actions of the wicked. Never. Only Christ can do that. Only Christ can do it. Romans 12, 15, mourn with those that mourn, weep with those that weep. We need to be compassionate, loving, caring. No question about it. Number, number three of how we need to respond, and this is where it really gets, this is where it really, the rubber, rubber meets the road. It's like Cedric Williams. I don't feel you get it. You see it. It's like, I don't know what else I can say. And I'm not here to convince people that I understand fully. If you don't think I do, that's your own business. That's your own business. People have lost their minds. That's your, that, that's your own business. If you don't believe me, then don't believe me. I don't really care because I understand what I'm talking about. I understand what I, you don't have to walk a mile in someone's shoes to understand that what they face is wrong. You don't have to. All you have to do is have a functioning brain, which many people today, I admit, do not have. They don't have it. They don't have it. But you need to understand this. That's number one. Number two, recognize the true answer. Recognize what the true answer is. Making things illegal will never change anything. Having better laws for better punishments won't change anything. Let me ask you a question. Is it illegal to kill people? It absolutely is. Is it illegal? Think about this. Are there still states that have the death penalty? Absolutely, there are. But do people still get murdered? Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, they do. People, listen, people know. People know what the punishment is for murder. People know what will happen if they take those actions. Do they still do it? Yes, they do. Because it's not about the punishment. It's about the heart of a person. It's about the heart. It's where the root is. If my root is in wickedness, I'll take wicked actions. But if my root is in the kingdom, then I can take life-giving actions. You understand? Recognize the true answer. Aren't drugs illegal? Isn't drug trafficking, forget drug trafficking, isn't human trafficking illegal? Aren't there heavy, heavy Punishments for human trafficking. Absolutely. Isn't child pornography illegal? Absolutely. Isn't, isn't there heavy, heavy, heavy punishment for child pornographers? Yes. Isn't, aren't both those things still done? Yes, they are. Human trafficking continues. Child pornography continues. You know why? Because it's about the heart, the heart of a man. It's not about the punishments. It's not about the legislation. It's not about the framework for justice. It's not about any of that because it's all in place and those things are still happening. They're still happening. So don't tell me that the framework is going to change anybody because it doesn't change anybody. It's proven. 
It is proven. It doesn't change anybody. Those things couldn't be any more condemned. I don't think there's anybody that's standing up. I mean, okay, if you want to argue with me that, well, there actually are people that don't mind, uh, you know, standing up for their racist actions. Okay, let's say I agree with you. Let's go on the other side. Who's standing up for child pornography and say, no, it's something that needs to be done. You know, I'm a child pornographer and I don't care who knows it. It needs to be done. No, I'm a human trafficker and I believe the world needs human trafficking. It's a good money maker. I've been able to make a lot of money on it. I'm an entrepreneur. I really feel like human trafficking is something that needs to take place. Who's doing that? Who's standing up publicly and supporting child pornography and supporting human trafficking? Nobody's doing it. And the framework is there to persecute it and to, and to actually uh, uh, um, to uh, litigate it and, and to actually make bring the punishment for it. There's all, it's all in place. It's all there. It couldn't be any more of a harsh punishment than it is. And people still do it. People still do it. When are people going to learn that it has nothing to do with the framework? It has nothing to do with the punishment. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with the heart of a man. Everything. Everything. If a heart doesn't change, if a heart doesn't change, then a man won't change. Put that in the comment section. Every person that's watching me tonight, if a heart doesn't change, then a man will never change. Put it in the comments. If a heart doesn't change, a man will never change. <laughs> I don't know what people think we're supposed to be doing. I mean, in all honesty. Yeah, who's standing up? There's nobody, so exactly Keisha. Who's standing up for the babies that are being aborted? Where is the travesty there? And, and I'm not trying to compare the tragedies. I'm not trying to say one's worse than the other. Loss of life matters differently. What I'm saying is, is that people, they talk out of one side of their mouth, then they talk out the other side of their mouth. The same women that say, it's my body, my choice. I can murder this baby anytime I want to. They can go in and kill the baby. Think about the craziness. They can go in and kill it. But if, if a drunk driver hits them on the way to the abortion clinic, the drunk driver is charged with double homicide or double manslaughter. But I thought it wasn't a, a life until birth, still in the womb. It's not life. But you still get charged, don't you? They talk out of one side of their mouth, then they talk outside of the other. And I don't know what people think that needs to be done. You think you're going to change wicked men by giving them harsher punishment. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Laws have not stopped crimes. You know, it's illegal to be part of a cartel if you're in Mexico or in South America or Central America. It's illegal to engage in cartel activity, but there are still many, many cartels doing their thing because laws don't change men's. You change the hearts and the minds of men through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only when a man's heart is changed will his life change. Only then. Only then. So, 
The next thing I want to tell you is this, and I'm getting ready to pray for every one of you that are watching. You've hung with me. I appreciate it. Number one, be driven by principle, not by emotion. Number two, stand with those that are wronged. Number three, recognize the true answer, which is Jesus. And then number four, develop a supernatural urgency to bring souls into the kingdom. That's number four. How do we respond in times like this? Develop a supernatural urgency. Remember this. One of the worst things you can do and one of the most stupid things you can do is get offended at other people for what they say, how they act. Remember, it's a soul that will spend eternity in heaven or hell. I have to, nothing happened. That's true, Winona. Nothing happens without prayer. I've got to be praying for people. I've got to be praying that God softens my heart for people, that he gives me a compassion for people. I've got to be praying that God allows me to walk in love, gives me the words to speak, gives me a boldness to speak them, gives me the ability and the willingness to be persecuted for saying the right thing, and then stand up boldly and with an urgency in my spirit, say what needs to be said. Without Christ, men won't change. They won't. You can have all the protests that you want to have. You can get angry. You can, you can put together all the groups you want to put together. You can make as many hashtags as you want to make. You can have as many Memorial Days to remember the lives that were lost. You can do as many things, make videos, make movies about it. You can do all kinds of things and people still won't change. They don't change unless they've been changed by God. They don't. We must develop a supernatural urgency to bring souls into the kingdom. We have to do it. That's how men change. That's how women change. That's how homes are restored. You can't you get mad at people because they can't they come from a broken home but they come from a broken home because they have a, a, an issue in their life where their their marriage can't stay together how do you hold it together when there's things going on that are tearing people apart and it could be solved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit I hope you can feel during this whole broadcast that I'm not angry at anybody. I am. I love people and I love the Lord and I want to see people changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to see people changed by the mighty blood of Jesus Christ. I want to see people to come into the kingdom before it's too late because time is running out. Hear what I'm saying to you tonight. Time is running out. These are signs of the times. It's just signs of the times. Everything you're saying. From COVID-19, earthquakes around the world, wars and rumors of wars, violence. Did you know that the violence we're seeing right now is a sign that Jesus said would be a sign of his coming? He said that in the last days, it would be like it was in the days of Noah. When you go back and look at the days of Noah in the book of Genesis, you know what the Bible says? God looked down to the earth and he saw unbridled violence and corruption everywhere he looked. Violence and corruption everywhere God looked. He said it'll be like that again before Jesus comes back. And everywhere you look today, 
There is corruption. There is violence. There's more terrorism than there's ever been. There are more terrorist groups than there's ever been. There's more hatred than there's ever been. People hating people. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. I love you, Tony. And we have to develop an urgency in our spirit, in our heart, to see men come into the kingdom. We have to. Do the work that a Christian's called to do, and that's to bring souls in. I'm going to pray a couple of things tonight. You might be watching me just because of the hashtag. You might be watching me just because of the title, and you're not serving the Lord tonight. I'm for you, not against you. I'm praying that God restores your life, brings you into the kingdom, blesses your family. That's my prayer. That's my heart. Doesn't matter to me what color somebody is. Doesn't matter at all. Has everything to do with the fact that you are an eternal soul that will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. Those of you that are watching me, I want you to bow your head because the first prayer I'm going to pray is for people that are not ready to see Jesus. Hear me. Jesus loves you. He died for you, shed his blood for you, was crucified and tortured on your behalf. He took your sins onto his body and he literally took the punishment for your sins so you didn't have to take it. He stood in your place and took your punishment. You might be watching me on the broadcast live or on the replay or listening on the podcast and you say, you know what? If Jesus did come back today, I honestly don't think I'd be ready to see him when he comes because I know there's things in my life that aren't right. I'm not a child of God. I'm not serving God. I'm not pleasing him with my lifestyle. If you're watching me right now, I don't care if it's a replay. I don't care if it's live. I don't care if you're listening. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. See, we've got to recognize that I am a sinner. I've done, I was born into sin. My life is displeasing to God. But through the blood of Jesus, through faith in Christ, all things can be made new. If you're watching me and that's your story, pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I ask you now, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. From this night, I ask you, forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' mighty name, I am a child of God. I will serve you until I die. Give me boldness. Give me the fire of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to do something very quickly for me when this broadcast ends. I want you to go to miracleword.com. Miracleword.com. There's a button that says, I just got saved. I want you to click it, watch a short video. I want to send you a gift that's from me. Absolutely free. It won't cost you anything. I'm not asking you to join any church or do anything like that. I just want to help you. Take next steps in your life with Christ and help you understand what a wonderful thing it is that you're now part of a new family, the family of God. And we love you. We're for you. God's got a plan to bless you. Things are going to look up in Jesus' name. Your life will be better than it's ever been by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to pray a second prayer for everybody that's watching that tonight, as we understand the things that are going on in our nation and around the world, that God would empower us by his mighty Holy Spirit to do what's right in the kingdom, 
not put culture over kingdom, but to put kingdom over culture and understand that people are not just what skin color they are. They're not their culture. They're an eternal soul that will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. We are the hands and the arms of God on this earth to bring the message of salvation to the dying, to the lost, to the hurting, and to the broken. We are all of Jesus that anybody will ever see. And if we don't do what we're called to do, time will run out and it'll be too late for those that have not heard the message. And so now God is empowering us once again, setting us on fire once again to do what we're called to do. So I want you to bow your head unless you're driving a car and and pray this prayer with me because I'm telling you, God's anointing us in these final moments of time to see a harvest of souls come into the kingdom before time runs out. Father, I pray for every person that's watching tonight. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would anoint us anew and afresh with the mighty fire of the Holy Ghost, the power of God, to do what we've been called to do in Jesus' name. Put a boldness in our spirit. I pray you put a compassion, a love for people in our hearts. Lord, don't let us become offended. Don't let us become uh, bent out of shape because of what's going on or something someone may have said, but put a love in our spirit. Your word declares that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Let that love increase in Jesus' name and give us an urgency to see souls come into the kingdom of God before time runs out. Before Jesus returns, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would use us mightily to bring in that harvest of souls. Lord, give us an enlarged circle of influence. Give us the words of wisdom to speak. Break down the walls around the hearts of people we know that would keep them from receiving the gospel. And Lord, soften their hearts and let them receive the mighty good news about Jesus Christ. We thank you. This will be the greatest year of soul winning that we've ever seen in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe that, somebody throw some fire in the comments section and let me know that you received that prayer and that you believe it's taking place now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Ken. If you believe it, throw some fire up and let me know that you stand and believe with me. All things are turning in our favor in Jesus' name. I'm believing, and this has been my confession, that these next seven months, by the way, welcome to June, welcome to a new month. My belief is that these next seven months are going to be the greatest months that we have ever seen in the kingdom of God the greatest months that have ever been seen, not just of this year, of any year we've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, let me say something. I'm getting ready to jump back on the road. I'm flying out this week to go preach the gospel. If you want to stand, as others have already done tonight, if you want to stand, you've heard my heart tonight. If you want to stand with a soul-winning deliverance and miracle ministry, and you're believing for this nation to be shaken by the power of God. Let me challenge you to sow a seed into this ministry tonight. Maybe you're saying, listen, I can see the injustice. I can see what's going on around the world. I can clearly see that people's lives need to be changed by the gospel of Christ. 
I understand that you may work a job full time. You're not able to travel the world and preach the gospel and minister to others. But that's what I do. That's what my wife does. That's what this ministry does. And if you'd like to stand with us to see a, one more push before Jesus comes back, one more push of evangelism, of the fire of God, the power of God, if you're ready to see things change for the better forever, stand with us and believe God that this will be a year that we will see a harvest of souls come in and people changed and healed and delivered and demons cast out by the power of God. Sow a seed. Thank you very much. Was that Nicola? I love you so much. Thank you for sowing a seed. Ben, thank you for sowing. It's very easy to do. You can always put hashtag donate in the comments section. You can use Cash App. You can use Venmo. Both of those usernames are the same. MWGive. You can use um, PayPal. Information's on the screen. MiracleWord.com is the easiest place to sow a seed no matter where in the world you are watching from or listening from. You can go to MiracleWord.com and partner with us on a monthly basis and say, you know what? I'm going to tie my finances to a soul-winning and a miracle ministry, believing God for things to change in my generation before Jesus comes. Thank you, Brother Ben. Thank you, Brother Ken. Brother Ken, if you're wanting to um, talk to Jenna about increasing, I saw you commenting earlier, you can always send an email to Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, at MiracleWord.com. Jenna at MiracleWord.com. The reason I'm encouraging you to partner with this ministry is because on a monthly basis, we're pushing forward to see people saved. We've been encouraging people to ask the Lord, if it's you, if you're one of those that feel tied to this ministry and the Lord's speaking to you, to stand with us at a minimum of $85 a month, that's $1,000 a year, to see a generation changed. That's a, that's a dinner out with your spouse, that's a cell phone bill, that's a cable bill, but you're sowing it into the kingdom, believing that lives will be changed forever as we push forward into 2020 and beyond, looking for a harvest. See, lives are important. Let me just tell you, lives are important. There's no, greater, there's no greater call than the call of Christ. And that's why I, t I tell you, we, we do it together as a family, the family of God. We've been calling it the victory tribe. It just stuck. It just kind of stuck. And we're going to run with it. We are the victory tribe. You know how I know that? Because every one of us in the kingdom is from the tribe of Judah. Because Jesus Christ, who we come from, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Every person on this broadcast that serves the Lord, you're from the tribe of Judah. We're the victory tribe. That's who we are. We don't lose. We only win. We only increase. We only go higher. And I'm telling you, prepare yourself. The best is yet to come. June through December, we're going to shout the victory as the blessings of God come upon his people. We're in a flow of the Holy Ghost and we will not be moved. Let me just tell you, this is a year. I, I, I've confessed it since last fall. This is a year of violent increase and expedited favor. And that's exactly what's taking place. We're seeing violent increase and expedited favor. And so I want to encourage you tonight, every person, the Lord's speaking to you, and I can feel it in my spirit. The Lord's dealing with a few people tonight to sow something large. 
And you can, you can understand what I'm talking about. The Lord's speaking to you. And so I want you to obey his voice. I don't know what it is. He didn't reveal it to me. He's speaking to you. And so you have to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit for yourself. But let me just tell you something. There's people tonight that God's speaking to them to sow 1,000, 2,500, 10,000. Obey the voice of the Holy Spirit and let God move in your life. I'm flying out this week. You know where I'm going? New York, where everything was shut down, where everything seemed the worst. I'm going to head out to New York this week and preach the gospel. I'm believing for a harvest to come in. I'm believing for people to be supernaturally changed by the power of God, and I can't wait. I'm ready to run again. And then we're going to start running through the rest of 2020 and seeing victory after victory after victory. That's going to be what God does. And I'm pumped up for it. And so let me say thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds. You can always go to miracleword.com now when the broadcast ends, whenever you want. You might be listening on the podcast. All you have to do is swipe up to the description. There's a link you can click right in the podcast notes and sow a seed from right where you're listening. And I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. And I think, I'm telling you, things are turning for the better in this nation. They're going to turn for the better in Jesus' name. There's an army of people of God rising up. Can't be silent anymore. Hallelujah. God's going to use us in a mighty way. I love you. I hope you can tell. I hope you can tell through this broadcast that not only do I love people, I love you. And I believe in you. And I know God's got great things in store for your family and for your life. Stand in faith. Don't stop praying. Don't stop studying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop sowing. Don't start. Don't stop telling people about the goodness of God. And God's going to use all of us in a mighty way before Jesus comes. Hallelujah. I love you. Thank you so much for staying with me. I know it was a little bit longer tonight, but I had a word to give you. So thank you. If you didn't share it yet, take a minute to share it. So important. I love you. I'll be back live again in the morning, 1030 a.m. right here, Eastern time. Yep, I'll be back live in the morning, Scotty, 1030 a.m. And uh, can't wait to see you again in the morning. Have a wonderful night. Have a great rest. I love you so much. I'll see you in the morning. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.